Um, and let's read this passage again and, yeah, just hear how God spoke to Jacob. And let's just hear again what he might say to you and to me this morning. So Jacob's ladder, as it's like supposedly called, that I binned a little bit last week. But let me read again from Genesis 28 and verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, I really struggle with this verse. Uh, He put it under his head and lay down to sleep. I think there's a lot of stuff in between there. I'm thinking... You took a bag or a coat or something and put it on top of the stone. You really put your head just by itself on the stone? Anyhow, he had a dream. So while he was sleeping, he had a dream in which a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Then above the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord the God of your father Abram, and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I will be with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised to you. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. How awesome is this place? There is none other, well, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he'd placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey that I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So last week, I shared around the story, and I'm not going to recap everything that I said last week. Um, Again, it's popularly known as uh, the story of Jacob's ladder, probably because of the first, um, you know, King James version and that kind of thing. They translated it as a ladder because that's what they thought of um, in England at the time. But um, again, just to show you what I wanted to show you last week, why this thing is skewed, I'm so realizing it that in the area of Ur at that time were these massive constructions called ziggurats. And they had these huge stairways, like the staircases. 
And so scholars now say that in the Near East, if Jacob was dreaming of a stairway, which is what the Hebrew says, it could very well be that it's this massive structure, that, that that was the image. It wasn't the image of the ladder that we now have, you know. So I had, I had people this week cleaning out um, my gutters, and we had to get one of those long extended ladders because of those monstrous um, gutters that you put above us that no one can reach. And so you get this, you know, and that's not, Jacob could not have thought of that. He didn't have this aluminium or metal ladder that went up in extensions. It didn't exist. So most like this massive stairway. And remember what I shared last week that just keeps striking me, that although the angels were ascending and descending like God's messengers did, and although in the Near East at the time, places like this, high places were thought of where you go to meet God, and temples and idols were thought of as gateways to heaven. And I can't, I can't not think of that movie Stargate, remember, because it was, did you ever see that? I loved that movie Stargate, you know, and it's like, and that's kind of like the image that people had, that with, you know, the pyramids or whatever, these are places where, where, where people would connect with God. And contrary to that whole image, Jacob had a dream of God next to him. Jacob didn't go up the stairway to meet with God like everyone would expect. The revelation was that in the midst of the stairway and this ascending that was happening between earth and heaven, God was there next to Abraham. And so the Hebrew is ambiguous because it can mean alongside and over. And then I think, wow, as Jacob lay there, he just, he saw this image of the staircase and then he looked and there was God. But next to him, God had come near. And that's God's revelation to his people that is radically different to all the religions in that area at that time and often throughout time. It reminds me of a, a book years ago that I had. Um, Max Lucado had a book, God Came Near. It was about Christmas and, and that kind of, and it's just, that's the thing. God has come near. And then, this promise that we're gonna linger on again this morning, that he says, I will be with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. The image that I shared last week, I'm going to kill this for a moment, was part of what we shared was that as God made his promises from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and even as Jacob journeyed with the Lord, Jacob traveled. It was a journey. It was a way that Jacob would go. And God's promise was not, I'm going to be in this place. It was partly Jacob was articulating. But it was, wherever you go, I will be with you. So in a sense, the, the power of Bethel, 
wasn't it was the, the, the altar and the image and, and, and Jacob saying, God has met me in this place. But it was a promise that wherever Jacob went, there Bethel would be, the house of God. And that just breaks open all the promises of God to Israel, the prophetic promises in all the prophets, particularly of Isaiah, unto us a child will be born. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so I've shared before around this, this concept, this metaphor, this image that we see throughout the Bible, but it's been very, very popular within Christian history, within the history of the church. And I mean, as I said, I've shared it so many times, but this image of our walk with God is exactly that. It's a walk. It's a journey. It's a way. The way is a path. It's the path that we walk. But the ambiguity of the word way is it's, it's also a way that we walk. So as we prayed this morning, we were just praying in the prayer meeting, and um, Neil just said something. He said, uh, he said I, I just feel the Lord is talking to us about obedience. And he, and he said, your word was, obedience is a lighter load. I think that was it, you know. So we all come with all our stuff and we all think of what, but obedience is a lighter way to live. And it's not just the actual path that we drive, that we travel, that we walk. That's a metaphor. It's also the way that we do it. And so that becomes an interesting thing. We're going to look at Matthew 28. So quite interestingly, the standard greeting in Israel became a standard greeting for the Israelites was the Lord be with you. Isn't that amazing? Imagine we just bless one another. I mean, that's, we could just pray that on a Sunday. The Lord be with you. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. <laughs> so that's easy on a Sunday. It's easy when we gather. It's easy when you pray. It's easy when you have a quiet time or pray with a friend or whatever it is. But it's like in the midst of everything. Kids and family and school. You know, like sometimes it's like that's when you need God with you. That's the time where we need to be blessing one another and saying, the Lord be with you, you know. When you go to work and you announce, I was watching Frances, was it last week, and she was talking about this, um, the season or focus or whatever on, um, you know, children in South Africa and that. It was, you might not remember it, she does it every day. But um, I was just listening, I was going, this is just horrific, you know. And I mean, sometimes Frances just gets stuck. She's there and, she stay, and she's reporting on all this stuff. And then she has to go home to her little girl and her family. And then you drive home late at night. And, you know, so, some, so you could find yourself reporting on car hijackings and, you know, incidents of violence at robots. And then you get in your car all by yourself. You go, do I sleep here tonight? Or, you know, it's just one example. But, I mean, that's when it's in those times where you're going, like, in the, like unless you go with me, Lord, I don't want to go. 
And the greeting and the blessing was the Lord be with you. Now, I didn't know this. That actually continued in other cultures than that. And did you know that the origin of the greeting goodbye is God be with you? You didn't know that. Nor did I. So I always prefer the English, I mean the Afrikaans greeting taught sense. You know, because I think it's until we meet again. I always thought that's a lot, that's a nicer blessing then. See you later. Bye, or whatever, you know. But I didn't know this, that the origin of the greeting in English, goodbye, was God be with you. I thought, oh, I might have to use that again. A better variant in actual fact would be the Star Wars one. May the force be with you. <laughs> That's far better. So let's just read um, Matthew 28 and just think of this thing as a way. And then, yeah, I'm going to land on another verse and just, and just pray. Matthew 28 is, is this famous passage of the Great Commission. And we think it's like God sending you know, his people, first the disciples and the rest of us, into the world to evangelize the nations. Uh, and we reflected it on it this week. The um, Linden ministers and that got together. And again, just Trevor Hudson, in actual fact, brings out something else in this verse as well. But So Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. This is the message Bible, sorry. Go out and train everyone that you meet, far and near, in this way of life, says Peterson. The commission is to a way. Just love Peterson's translation there. It's to a way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and may the force be, no, and, <laughs> and Holy Spirit. <laughs> then instruct them in the practice that I've commanded you. And I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And Trevor Hudson takes that and talks again about rhythms. It's a way. There's a rhythm to this life. There are practices that we, we want God to be in our life every day, each and every day, day after day. And what do those rhythms look like? And that's not what I want to go into this morning, but um, it's just interesting that. So this phrase, the way that we see in Matthew 28, and that, um, you know, we see particularly in John's gospel, where Jesus says, I am the way. And earliest Christians were not called Christians. Before that, they were called followers of the way. It was understood that if you meet Jesus, if you encounter Jesus, as if you decide to follow him, discipleship was, well, then you're going to walk. You're going to be on a journey. You're going to go a certain way. You were going one way, now you're going to go a different way. And as Neil was praying, and that way is sometimes literally you walk different ways, you go to different destinations, 
But that way is also this metaphor of you begin to live a different way. And so your life becomes characterized by that awful word, obedience. (laughs) And what it is, is just, you know, learning to walk with Jesus. And then realizing, as I just love the way you could use that in a Bible translation, that obedience is, it's a lighter load. It's a better way to walk. And Jesus is saying, if you walk with me, and if you go where I want you to go, and if you walk the way I want you to walk, well, it's just a bit easier. Because I'll be with you. And this promise of his presence. So again, what we see, Genesis 28, this revolutionary, it's like, I want to say it again, it's inferred throughout scripture, but this is, this is like, it's the first place where you see this profound manifestation of this promise. God wants to be with his people. You don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to climb a staircase. It's not a, it's not a works thing that every step is, well, if I do this and if I do this and if I do this, I'll get to God and we'll be together. It's no, he comes to us. He wants to be with us. He reveals himself to us and he says, let me show you the way. Let's walk together. And my experience, hopefully not like yours, is that I've spent a lot of my time trying to wander away from the way that he wants me to go. And a lot of that, that's when I get into trouble. And then he has to do the whole Exodus story, come and pick me up by the scruff of my neck. You can see this on these Twitter, uh, you know, social media things that my girls send me about the cats. You know, the mother cat goes off, picks a cat up by the scruff of its neck, says, no, no, we're going here. This is where the rest of the kittens are, and off we go. And often that's the way I experience it. And it's like, and sometimes I get tangled in all these things. And he's like, can we stop doing that? Can we go this way? And he's gracious, and he's faithful. And we don't have to earn our way. I wanted to share a few images. The one is actually the image at the end, but... I was in a particularly dark, dark period of my life. Um, and it was, I won't even go into it, but it, it went, I was like sitting one day and I was like, God, you can, you and all your people can go, I'm going that way. You know, you, you ever have those times that you think you and all your people can go that way? And I'm, me, myself, and I, my Holy Spirit, we'll go this way. <laughs> and, and you know, <laughs> the interesting thing is my mother met me. And she looked at me and she said, it was Sunday morning. And I was done, hey? And she said, we're going to church. And I was like, Lord, you and all your people, including my mother, can... <laughs> So the funny is, so I went with my mom to church. It wasn't our church, we were a different province than that, and um, he took me off to a Sunday morning service, like my lip was four meters behind me, you know. 
And somewhere in that service, she handed me this little card, like a small little bookmark. And it was one of those cheesiest, you know, those like hallmark things that you buy. If you go and read it, you go, you know. And it was that, that poem, Footprints in the Sand. <laughs> you know that? There was two sets of footprints, you know, and then there was only one. And basically I felt like God had left me, which is that morning I was like, he has left me. The reason I'm going this way is because he's abandoned me. And without, it's like, there were two, my mom came to visit me. And she came with that card. I hadn't spoken to her for weeks. And she, gave, she said, she looked at me, she said, we're going to church. Parents have that knack sometimes. And in the middle of the service, she gave me this card. And it was, it was just like, where there's one set of footprints in the sand, I was actually carrying you. And that was like a profound moment in my because I was like, wow. I thought you'd left me, but you're here. Isn't that incredible? So I want to share some images of a journey. And I just want to ask as, as, as we pray this morning, how does your journey feel? So this is my favorite one because once in actual fact, many, many years ago, not with this congregation, of course, Dylan shared this image. He says, you know, sometimes worship is like pushing a rock up a hill. It's a long time. Again, none of you, none of you. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, do you ever have weeks that you feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill? And then I loved this one as I was looking for these images because sometimes <laughs> it feels like you're just holding everything. And if you just let go of your breath, that rock is going to flatten you. Like, I don't know if the, some of what you're doing, sometimes it just feels. Angus, do you like, ever feel like you know, you've got a deadline and a contract or a, and if you just blink, that thing is going to just roll right over you. I mean, that's, you know, so the other thought I had, this is me, this is how God speaks to me sometimes, is, um, you know, sometimes we just feel we're on this journey, but I'm tired and I'm, dry. I'm in this desert and there's no water, I'm dry. Do you ever feel like just dry? I just want to lie in the sand and I'm done. I, I mean, I felt like that. Like that morning, I was done, eh? Did you ever just feel... I mean, I'd never say this in church, but you just think, stuff it. <laughs> I'm out of here. I was thinking my brother, I was telling my brother about um, a while ago and, and we, he was talking about his job and, and I was saying, but you know, like, there's so much of my job that I love. So he said to me, 
because uh, he was going through a particularly bad time at work. So he said to me, yeah, when you get in your car on Sunday and you drive home, <laughs> that's the only part of my day that I love. It's like, it's when I get in my car at the end of the day and I drive, he says, that's the favorite part of my job. <laughs> I just laughed. Okay. So again, you know, do you ever feel like that? The other image when I was praying about this, I was thinking, you know, sometimes this is a way. There is a way. And sometimes we just feel directionless. We just feel a bit lost. Do you ever feel like, hey, I'm, we're on this way, I'm this, this, but I don't know which way to go. <laughs> you know, like. And then the other aspect of this is that Sometimes we just feel lonely. And very often, you just feel like, I'm all alone. No one gets how I feel. I remember one lady, <laughs> let's be careful I'll say this, but one lady said, you know, before she became a Christian, she had all these colleagues at work that she could go out with and she could drink and she could smoke and she could party and everything like that. And she said, it was actually quite easy. So then I became a Christian, I couldn't do all of that. And now I'm all alone. And it's like, it's like, so there were things that you wanted to let go of. I get that. But she didn't think she was going to land up alone. And so sometimes we just think like, so Lord, I, I, I did this, I came to follow, why do I feel alone? And yet, somehow, in the midst of that, Jesus says, I will be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. And my last thought to leave with you is that these, all these images were desert images. And that was intentional. Because the desert is a place of getting lost, feeling lonely, feeling dry. But biblically, the desert is also a place of incredible encounter with God. Abraham met God in the desert. So did Isaac, so did Jacob. The Israelites had their most incredible nation-forming time in the desert. They were delivered in the desert. They knew God's presence and his provision and his protection in the desert. John the Baptist went into the desert and people went into the desert to find him, including Jesus. And there Jesus had this time of temptation. He had this time of baptism, being filled with the Spirit, tempted, but being ministered to God in a profound way. So the desert is a powerful picture of encounter with God. And this is the verse I want to pray for you or ask you. Jacob woke up from his sleep and he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Surely 
God has been with you, but you weren't aware of it. And that's his promise. Often, often in my story, I've been like, where are you? You've been, I've been here all the time, but you weren't aware of it. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord, or even let's just bring, let's just come to the Lord with how some of us are feeling and then ask him to come. Come down the staircase. We need you here as you've promised to be. So Lord, thank you.